Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over six million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hello, this is Let's Talk About Myths, baby, reading more of the epic Argonautica. I am Liv, your host and the woman who is just really enjoying these readings of the Argonautica. I love that I'm able to have these readings for you all while I am on a much-needed 
real holiday. You get to listen to these incredible readings of such a fun epic, as well as having such incredible conversations to listen to that I've recorded before leaving. Anyway, I'm just very grateful that I am able to keep this up, keep you all entertained, have such fun content for you all to listen to and to share and to talk about while also, you know, having a a very much needed holiday. Well, I am here today with the final reading of the Argonautica. I can't believe we've gotten through it all. And by that, I mean, it's taken forever since I've been doing it in bits and pieces alongside all the incredible conversation episodes. But book four has been one of the most enjoyable. So I'm thrilled that you all got to listen to it kind of back to back in a different way. It's been really fun to read through this with all of you. Fucking love Medea. Who doesn't? She is wild in this story. She is truly like something else as a character just completely overtaken by this love spell but also still like very uh outspoken and strong and weird and i love her so where we last left our argonauts and medea they had you know escaped from colchis and aetes by a little bit of murder you know, it is what it is. They had gone through much of Odysseus's odyssey along the sea, but had gotten out of every one of those scrapes with the help of a great many gods. We've got Hera, we've got Thetis, and the Nereids, Hephaestus, Helios, everyone just pulling together and helping out. Which leads us to where we are now, this final leg of their journey. And well, this is it. So without any further rambling on my part, I give you this final episode of the Argonautica. This is The Argonautica by Apollonius, translated by R.C. Seaton, Book 4, Part 3. Now dawn, returning with her beams, divine scattered the gloomy night through the sky, and the island beaches laughed out, and the paths over the plains far off, drenched with dew, And there was a din in the streets, the people were astir throughout the city, and far away the Colchians were astir at the bounds of the Isle of Macris. And straightway to them went Alcanus, by reason of his covenant, to declare his purpose concerning the maiden. And in his hand he held a golden staff, his staff of justice, whereby the people had righteous judgments meted out to them throughout the city. And with him an order due and arrayed in their harness of war went marching band by band the chiefs of the Phaeacians. And from the towers came forth the women in crowds to gaze upon the heroes. And the country folk came to meet them when they heard the news, for Hera had sent forth a true report. And one led the chosen ram of his flock, and another a heifer that had never toiled, and others set hard by jars of wine for mixing, and the smoke of sacrifice leapt up far away. And women bore fine linen, the fruit of much toil, as women will, and gifts of gold and varied ornaments as well, such as are brought to newly wedded brides. 
and they marveled when they saw the shapely forms and beauty of the gallant heroes, and among them the son of Iagris, oft beating the ground with gleaming sandal to the time of his loud ringing lyre and song. And all the nymphs together, whenever he recalled the marriage, uplifted the lovely bridal chant, and at times again they sang along as they circled in the dance, Hera, in thy honor, for it was you that did put into the heart of Arete to be proclaim the wise word of Alcanus. And soon as he had uttered the decree of his righteous judgment, and the completion of the marriage had been proclaimed, he took care that thus it should abide fixed, and no deadly fear touched him nor Aetes's grievous wrath but he kept his judgment fast bound by unbroken oaths. So when the Colchians learnt that they were beseeching in vain, and he bade them either observe his judgments or hold their ships away from his harbours and land, then they began to dread the threats of their own king and besought Alcanus to receive them as comrades, and there in the island long time they dwelt with the Phaeacians, until in the course of years... Dabakiaidi, a race, sprung from Ephira, settled among them, and the Colchians passed to an island opposite, and thence they were destined to reach the Chironian hills of the Abantes, and the Nestians, and Oricum. But all this was fulfilled after long ages had passed. And still the altars which Medea built on the spot, sacred to Apollo, god of shepherds, receive yearly sacrifices in honor of the fates and the nymphs. And when the Minii departed, many gifts of friendship did Alcanus bestow, and many arete. Moreover, she gave Medea twelve Phaeacian handmaids from the palace to bear her company. And on the seventh day they left Drippany, and at dawn came a fresh breeze from Zeus, and onward they sped, borne along by the wind's breath. Howbeit, not yet, was it ordained for the heroes to set foot on Achaea until they had toiled even in the furthest bounds of Libya. Now had they left behind the gulf named after the Ambracians, now with sails wide spread the land of the Curities, and next, in order, the narrow islands with the Echinades, and the land of Pelops was just descried. Even then a baleful blast of the north wind seized them in mid-course and swept them towards the Libyan sea nine nights and as many days, until they came far within Syrtis, wherefrom is no return for ships, when they are once forced into that gulf. For on every hand are shoals, on every hand masses of seaweed from the depths, and over them the light foam of the wave washes without noise, and there is a stretch of sand to the dim horizon, and there moves nothing that creeps or flies. Here, accordingly, the flood tide, for this tide often retreats from the land and bursts back again over the beach, coming on with a rush and roar, thrust them suddenly on to the innermost shore. And but little of the keel was left in the water, and they leapt forth from the ship, and sorrow seized them when they gazed on the mist and the levels of vast land stretching far like a mist continuous into the distance. No spot for water, no path, no steading of herdsmen did they descry far off, but all the scene was possessed by a dead calm. And thus 
Did one hero vexed in spirit ask another? What land is this? Where has the tempest hurled us? Would that reckless, deadly fear we had dared to rush on by that same path between the clashing rocks? Better were it to have overleapt the will of Zeus and perished in venturing some mighty deed. But now what should we do, held back by the winds to stay here, if ever so short a time? How desolate looms before us the edge of the limitless land! Thus one spoke, and among them Ancaius the helmsman, in despair at their evil case, spoke with grieving heart. Verily we are undone by a terrible doom. There is no escape from ruin. We must suffer the cruelest woes, having fallen on this desolation, even though breezes should blow from the land. For as I gaze far around, on every side do I behold a sea of shoals and masses of water, fretted line upon line, run over the hoary sand. And miserably long ago would our sacred ship have been shattered far from the shore, but the tide itself bore her high on to the land from the deep sea. But now the tide rushes back to the sea, and only the foam, whereon no ship can sail, rolls round us, just covering the land. Wherefore I deem that all hope of our voyage and of our return is cut off. Let someone else show his skill, let him sit at the helm, the man that is eager for our deliverance. But Zeus has no will to fulfill our day of return after all our toils. Thus he spoke with tears, and all of them that had knowledge of ships agreed thereto. But the hearts of all grew numb, and pallor overspread their cheeks. And as, like lifeless specters, men roam through a city awaiting the issue of war, or of pestilence, or some mighty storm which overwhelms the countless labors of oxen, when the images of their own accord sweat and run down with blood, and bellowings are heard in temples, or when at midday the sun draws on night from heaven, and the stars shine clear through the mist, so at that time along the endless strand the chieftains wandered, groping their way. Then straightway dark evening came upon them, and piteously did they embrace each other and say farewell with tears, that they might, each one apart from his fellow, fall on the sand and die. And this way and that they went further to choose a resting place, and they wrapped their heads in their cloaks, and, fasting and unfed, lay down all that night and the day, awaiting a piteous death. But apart the maidens huddled together lamented beside the daughter of Aetes, and as when, forsaken by their mother, unfledged birds that have fallen from a cleft in the rock chirp shrilly, or when, by the banks of fair-flowing Pactolus, swans raise their song, and all around the dewy meadow echoes and the river's fair stream, so these maidens, laying in the dust their golden hair, all through the night wailed their piteous lament. And there all would have parted from life without a name and unknown to mortal men, those bravest of heroes, with their task unfulfilled, but as they pined in despair, the heroine nymphs, warders of Libya, had pity on them, they who once found Athena, what time she leapt in gleaming armor from her father's head, 
and bathed her by Trito's waters. It was noontide, and the fiercest rays of the sun were scorching Libya. They stood near Eason's son and lightly drew the cloak from his head, and the hero cast down his eyes and looked aside in reverence for the goddesses. And as he lay bewildered all alone, they addressed him openly with gentle words. Ill-starred one, why are you so smitten with despair? We know how you went in quest of the Golden Fleece. We know each toil of yours, all the mighty deeds you wrought in your wanderings over land and sea. We are the solitary ones, goddesses of the land, speaking with human voice, the heroines, Libya's warders and daughters. Up then, be not thus afflicted in your misery and rouse your comrades, and when Amphitrite has straightway loosed Poseidon's swift-wheeled car, then do you pay to your mother a recompense for all her travail, when she bore you so long in her womb, and so you may return to the divine land of Achaia. Thus they spoke, and with the voice vanished at once where they stood. But Jason sat upon the earth as he gazed around, and thus cried, be gracious, noble goddesses of the desert, yet the saying about our return I understand not clearly. Surely I will gather together my comrades and tell them if happily we can find some token of our escape, for the counsel of many is better. He spoke and leapt to his feet and shouted afar to his comrades, all squalid with dust, like a lion when he roars through the woodland seeking his mate, and far off in the mountains the glens tremble at the thunder of his voice, and the oxen of the field and the herdsmen shudder with fear. Yet to them Jason's voice was no whit terrible, the voice of a comrade calling to his friends. And with looks downcast they gathered near, and hard by where the ship lay he made them sit down in their grief, and the women with them and addressed them and told them everything. Listen, friends, as I lay in my grief, three goddesses girded with goat skins from the neck downwards, round the back and waist, like maidens, stood over my head, nigh at hand, and they uncovered me, drawing my cloak away with light hand, and they bade me rise up myself and go and rouse you, and pay to our mother a bounteous recompense for all her travail when she bare us so long in her womb. When Amphitrite shall have loosed Poseidon's swift-wheeled car, but I cannot fully understand concerning this divine message. They said indeed that they were heroines, Libya's warders and daughters, and all the toils that we endured aforetime by land and sea, all these they declared that they knew full well. Then I saw them no more in their place, but a mist or cloud came between and hid them from my sight. Thus he spoke, and all marveled as they heard. Then was wrought for the Minii the strangest of portents. From the sea to the land leapt forth a monstrous horse, of vast size with golden mane tossing round his neck, and quickly from his limbs he shook off abundant spray and started on his course with feet like the wind. And at once Peleus rejoiced and spoke among the throng of his comrades. I deem that Poseidon's car has even now been loosed by the hands of his dear wife, and I divine that our mother is none else than our ship herself, for surely she bore us in her womb and groans unceasingly with grievous travailing. 
but with unshaken strength and untiring shoulders will we lift her up and bear her within this country of sandy wastes, where on swift-footed steed has sped before. For he will not plunge beneath the earth, and his hoofprints, I ween, will point us to some bay above the sea. Thus he spoke, and the fit counsel pleased all. This is the tale the muses told, and I sing obedient to the Pyrides, and this report have I heard most truly, that you, O mightiest far of the sons of kings, by your might and your valor over the desert sands of Libya, raised high aloft on your shoulders the ship and all that you brought therein, and bore her twelve days and nights alike. Yet who could tell the pain and grief which they endured in that toil? Surely they were of the blood of the immortals, such a task did they take on, constrained by necessity. How forward and how far they bore her gladly to the waters of the Tritonian lake! How they strode in and set her down from their stalwart shoulders! Then, like raging hounds, they rushed to search for a spring, for besides their suffering and anguish, a parching thirst lay upon them, and not in vain did they wander, but they came to the sacred plain where Ladon, the serpent of the land, till yesterday kept watch over the golden apples in the garden of Atlas. And all around the nymphs the Hesperides were busied, chanting their lovely song. But at that time, stricken by Heracles, he lay fallen by the trunk of the apple tree, only by the tip of his tail was still writhing, but from his head down his dark spine he lay lifeless, and where the arrows had left in his blood the bitter gall of the Lernian hydra, flies withered and died over the festering wounds. And close at hand the Hesperides, their white arms flung over their golden heads, lamented shrilly, and the heroes drew near suddenly, but the maidens, at their quick approach, at once became dust and earth where they stood. Orpheus marked the divine portent, and for his comrades addressed them in prayer. O divine ones, fair and kind, be gracious. O queens, whether you be numbered among the heavenly goddesses, or those beneath the earth, or be called the solitary nymphs, come, O nymph, sacred race of Oceanus, appear manifest to our longing eyes, and show us some spring of water from the rock, or some sacred flow gushing from the earth, goddesses, wherewith we may quench the thirst that burns us unceasingly. And if ever again we return in our voyaging to the Achaean land, then to you, among the first of goddesses, with willing hearts, will we bring countless gifts, libations, and banquets. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. 
Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. So he spoke, beseeching them with plaintive voice, and they from their station near pitied their pain. And lo, first of all they caused grass to spring from the earth, and above the grass rose up tall shoots, and then flourishing saplings grew, standing upright far above the earth. Hespere became a poplar, and Erythice, an elm, and eagle, a willow's sacred trunk. And forth from these trees their forms looked out, as clear as they were before, a marvel exceeding great. And Igle spoke with gentle words, answering their longing looks. Surely there has come hither a mighty succour to your toils, that most accursed man, who robbed our guardian serpent of life, and plucked the golden apples of the goddesses, and is gone, and has left bitter grief for us. For yesterday came a man most fell in wanton violence, most grim in form, and his eyes flashed beneath his scowling brow, a ruthless wretch. And he was clad in the skin of a monstrous lion, of raw hide, untanned, and he bore a sturdy bow of olive and a bow wherewith he shot and killed this monster here. So he too came as one traversing the land on foot, parched with thirst, and he rushed wildly through this spot, searching for water, but nowhere was he like to see it. Now here stood a rock near the Tritonian lake, and of his own device, or by the prompting of some god, he smote it below with his foot, and the water gushed out in full flow. 
and he, leaning both his hands and chest upon the ground, drank a huge draught from the rifted rock, until, stooping like a beast of the fields, he had satisfied his mighty maw. Thus she spoke, and they gladly, with joyful steps, ran to the spot where Igle had pointed out to them the spring, until they reached it. And as when earth-burrowing ants gather in swarms round a narrow cleft, or when flies, lighting upon a tiny drop of sweet honey, cluster round with insatiate eagerness, so at that time, huddled together, the minii thronged about the spring from the rock, and thus, with wet lips, one cried to another in his delight. Strange, in very truth, Heracles, though far away, has saved his comrades, fordone with thirst. Would that we might find him on his way as we pass through the mainland. So they spoke, and those who were ready for this work answered, and they separated this way and that, each starting to search. For by the night winds the footsteps had been effaced where the sand was stirred. The two sons of Boreas started up, trusting in their wings, and Euphemus relying on his swift feet and Lynceus to cast far his piercing eyes, and with them darted off Canthus the fifth. He was urged on by the doom of the gods and his own courage that he might learn for certain from Heracles where he had left Polyphemus, son of Ilatus, for he was minded to question him on every point concerning his comrade. But that hero had founded a glorious city among the Mycenaeans, and, yearning for his home return, had passed far over the mainland in search of Argo, and in time he had reached the land of the Calibes, who dwell near the sea. There it was that his fate subdued him. And to him a monument stands under a tall poplar, just facing the sea, but that day Lynceus thought he saw Heracles all alone, far off, over the measureless land, as a man at the month's beginning sees, or thinks he sees, the moon through a bank of clouds, and he returned and told his comrades that no other searcher would find Heracles on his way, and they also came back, and swift-footed Euphemus and the twin sons of Thracian Boreas after a vain toil. But you, Canthus, the fates of death seized in Libya. On pasturing flocks did you light, and there followed a shepherd who, in defense of his own sheep, while you were leading them off to your comrades in their need, slew you by the cast of a stone, for he was no weakling, Cepharus, the grandson of Lycorian Phoebus, and the chaste maiden Acacalus, whom once Minos drove from home to dwell in Libya, his own daughter, when she was bearing the god's heavy load, and she bore to Phoebus a glorious son, whom they call Amphithemus and Garamus, and Amphithemus wedded a Tritonian nymph, and she bore to him Nasimon and strong Cepharus, who on that day, in defending his sheep, slew Canthus. But he escaped not the chieftain's avenging hands when they learned the deed he had done, and the Minii, when they knew it, afterwards took up the corpse and buried it in the earth, mourning, and the sheep they took with them. Thereupon, on the same day, a pitiless fate seized Mopsus too, son of Ampicus, and he escaped not a bitter doom by his prophesying, for there is no averting of death. Now there lay in the sand, avoiding the midday heat, a dread serpent, too sluggish of his own will to strike at an unwilling foe, nor yet would he dart full face at one that would shrink back. 
but into whatever of all living beings that life-giving earth sustains, that serpent once injects his black venom, his path to Hades becomes not so much as a cubit's length, not even if Peon, if it is right for me to say this openly, should tend him, when his teeth have only grazed the skin. For when over Libya flew godlike Perseus, Eurymedon, for that name his mother called him, bearing to the king the gorgon's head newly severed, all the drops of dark blood that fell to the earth produced a brood of those serpents. Now Mopsus stepped on the end of its spine, setting thereon the sole of his left foot, and it writhed round in pain and bit and tore the flesh between the shin and the muscles. And Medea and her handmaids fled in terror, but Canthus bravely felt the bleeding wound, for no excessive pain harassed him, poor wretch. Already a numbness that loosed his limbs was stealing beneath the skin, and a thick mist was spreading over his eyes. Straightway his heavy limbs sank helplessly to the ground, and he grew cold, and his comrades and the hero Eason's son gathered round, marveling at the close coming doom. Nor yet though dead might he lie beneath the sun even for a little space. For at once the poison began to rot his flesh within, and the hair decayed and fell from the skin, and quickly and in haste they dug a deep grave with mattocks of bronze, and they tore their hair, the heroes and the maidens, bewailing the dead man's piteous suffering. And when he had received due burial rites, thrice they marched round the tomb in full armor, and heaped above him a mound of earth. But when they had gone aboard as the south wind blew over the sea, and they were searching for a passage to go forth from the Tritonian lake, for long they had no device, but all day were borne on aimlessly. And as a serpent goes writhing along his crooked path when the sun's fiercest rays scorch him, and with a hiss he turns his head to this side and that, and in his fury his eyes glow like sparks of fire until he creeps to his lair through a cleft in the rock, so Argo, seeking an outlet from the lake, a fair way for ships, wandered for a long time. Then, straightway, Orpheus bade them bring forth from the ship Apollo's massy tripod and offer it to the gods of the land as a propitiation for their return. So they went forth and set Apollo's gift on the shore. Then before them stood in the form of a youth, far swaying Triton, and he lifted a clod from the earth and offered it as a stranger's gift and thus spoke. Take it, friends, for no stranger's gift of great worth have I here by me now to place in the hands of those who beseech me. But if you are searching for a passage through the sea, as often is the need of men passing through a strange land, I will declare it, for my sire Poseidon has made me to be well versed in this sea, and I rule the shore if haply in your distant land you have ever heard of Eurypylus, born in Libya, the home of wild beasts." Thus he spoke, and readily Euphemus held out his hands toward the clod, and thus addressed him in reply, If, haply, hero, you know aught of Apis and the sea of Minos, tell us truly who ask it of you, 
For not of our will have we come hither, but by the stress of heavy storms have we touched the borders of this land, and have borne our ship aloft on our shoulders to the waters of this lake over the mainland grievously burdened, and we know not where a passage shows itself for our course to the land of Pelops. So he spoke, and Triton stretched out his hand and showed afar the sea and the lake's deep mouth, and thus addressed them. That is the outlet to the sea, where the deep water lies unmoved and dark. On each side roll white breakers with shining crests, and the way between for your passage out is narrow. And that sea stretches out in the mist to the divine land of Pelops beyond Crete. But hold to the right when you have entered the swell of the sea from the lake, and steer your course hugging the land, as though as it trends to the north. But when the coast bends, falling away in the other direction, then your course is safely laid for you if you go straight forward from the projecting cape. But go in joy, and as for the labor, let there be no grieving that limbs in youthful vigor should still toil." He spoke with kindly counsel, and they at once went abroad, intent to come forth from the lake by the use of oars. And eagerly they sped on. Meanwhile Triton took up the mighty tripod, and they saw him enter the lake. But thereafter did no one mark how he vanished so near them along with the tripod. But their hearts were cheered, for that one of the blessed had met them in friendly guise. And they bade Eason's son to offer him the choicest of the sheep, and when he had slain it, chant the hymn of praise. And straightway he chose in haste, and raising the victim, slew it over the stern, and prayed with these words. You God, who has manifested yourself on the borders of this land, whether the daughters born of the sea call you Triton, the great sea marvel, or Phoreus or Nereus, be gracious and grant the return home dear to our hearts. He spoke and cut the victim's throat over the water and cast it from the stern, and the god rose up from the depths in form such as he really was. And when a man trains a swift steed for the broad race course and runs along grasping the bushy mane while the steed follows obeying his master and rears his neck aloft in his pride, and the gleaming bit rings loud as he chomps at it in his jaws from side to side, so the god, seizing hollow Argo's keel, guided her onward to the sea and his body from the crown of his head round his back and waist and far as the belly was wondrously like that of the blessed ones in form, but below his sides the tail of a sea monster lengthened far, forking to this side and that, and he smote the surface of the waves with the spines, which below parted into curving fins like the horns of the new moon." And he guided Argo on until he sped her into the sea on her course, and quickly he plunged into the vast abyss, and the heroes shouted when they gazed with their eyes on that dread portent. There is the harbor of Argo, and there are the signs of her stay, and altars to Poseidon and Triton, for during that day they tarried, but at dawn with sails outspread they sped on before the breath of the west wind, keeping the desert land on their right, and on the next morn they saw the headland and the recess of the sea bending inward beyond the jutting headland. And straightway the west wind ceased, and there came the breeze of the clear south wind, and with their hearts rejoiced at the sound it made. 
But when the sun sank and the star returned that bids the shepherd folds, which brings rest to the wearied plowman, at that time the wind died down in the dark night. So they furled the sails and lowered the tall mast and vigorously plied their polished oars all night and through the day and again when the next night came on. And rugged Carpathus far away welcomed them, and thence they were to cross to Crete, which rises in the sea above other islands. And Talos, the man of bronze, as he broke off rocks from the hard cliff, stayed them from fastening hawsers to the shore. When they came to the roadstead of Dicte's haven, he was of the stock of bronze, of the men sprung from ash trees, the last left among the sons of the gods. And the son of Kronos gave him to Europa, to be the warder of Crete, and to stride round the island thrice a day with his feet of bronze. Now in all the rest of his body and limbs was he fashioned of bronze and invulnerable, but beneath the sinew by his ankle was a blood-red vein, and this, with its issues of life and death, was covered by a thin skin. So the heroes, though outworn with toil, quickly backed their ship from the land in sore dismay. And now far from Crete would they have been borne in wretched plight, distressed both by thirst and pain, had not Medea addressed them as they turned away. Listen to me, for I deem that I alone can subdue for you that man, whoever he be, even though his frame be of bronze throughout, unless his life too is everlasting. But be ready to keep your ship here beyond the cast of his stones till he yield the victory to me. Thus she spoke, and they drew the ship out of range, resting on their oars, waiting to see what plan unlooked for she would bring to pass. And she, holding the fold of her purple robe over her cheeks on each side, mounted on the deck, and Eason's son took her hand in his, and guided her way along the thwarts. And with songs did she propitiate and invoke the death spirits, devourers of life, the swift hounds of Hades who, hovering through all the air, swoop down on the living. Kneeling in supplication, thrice she called on them with songs, and thrice with prayers, and, shaping her soul to mischief with her hostile glance, she bewitched the eyes of Talos, the man of bronze, and her teeth gnashed bitter wrath against him, and she sent forth baneful phantoms in the frenzy of her rage. Father Zeus, surely great wonder rises in mind, seeing that dire destruction meets us not from disease and wounds alone, but lo, even from afar, maybe, it tortures us. So Talos, for all his frame of bronze, yielded the victory to the might of Medea the sorceress, and he was heaving massy rocks to stay them from reaching the haven. He grazed his ankle on a pointed crag and the ecor gushed forth like melted lead. And not long thereafter did he stand, towering on the jutting cliff. But even as some huge pine high up on the mountains, which woodmen have left half-hewn through by their sharp axes when they returned from the forest, at first it shivers in the wind by night, then at last snaps at the stump and crashes down, so Talos for a while stood on his tireless feet, swaying to and fro, when at last all strengthless fell with a mighty thud. 
For that night there in Crete the heroes lay, then, just as dawn was growing bright, they built a shrine to Minoan Athena and drew water and went aboard, so that first of all they might by rowing pass beyond Salmone's height. But straightway, as they sped over the wide Cretan sea, night scared them, that night which they named the Pall of Darkness. The stars pierced not that fatal night, nor the beams of the moon, but black chaos descended from heaven, or haply some other darkness came rising from the nethermost depths. And the heroes, whether they drifted in Hades or on the waters, knew not one whit, but they committed their return to the sea in helpless doubt whither it was bearing them. But Jason raised his hands and cried to Phoebus with mighty voice, calling on him to save them, and the tears ran down in his distress. And often did he promise to bring countless offerings to Pitho, to Amicle, and to Ortigia, and quickly, O oh, son of Leto, swift to hear, did you come down from heaven to the Melantian rocks which lie there in the sea. Then, darting upon one of the twin peaks, you did raise aloft in your right hand your golden bow, and the bow flashed a dazzling gleam all round. And to their sight appeared a small island of the Sporades, over against the tiny isle of Hippurus, and there they cast anchor and stayed, and straightway dawn arose and gave them light, and they made for Apollo a glorious abode in a shady wood, and a shady altar calling on Phoebus the gleamer, because of the gleam far seen, and that bare island they called Anaphi. For that Phoebus had revealed it to men sore bewildered, and they sacrificed all that men could provide for sacrifice on a desolate strand, wherefore, when Medea's Phaeacian handmaid saw them pouring water for libations on the burning brands, they could no longer restrain laughter within their bosoms, for that even they had seen oxen in plenty slain in the halls of Alcanus. And the heroes, delighted in the jest, and attacked them with taunting words, and merry railing and contention flung to and fro were kindled among them. And from that spot of the hero such scoffs do the women fling at the men and that island whenever they propitiate with sacrifices Apollo the gleaming god, the warder of Anaphi. But when they had loosed the hawsers thence in fair weather, then Euphemus bethought him of a dream of the night, reverencing the glorious son of Maya. For it seemed to him that the god-given clod of earth held in his palm close to his breast was being suckled by white streams of milk, and that from it, little though it was, grew a woman like a virgin, and he, overcome by strong desire, lay with her in love's embrace. And united with her, he pitied her, as though she were a maiden whom he was feeding with his own milk. But she comforted him with gentle words. Daughter of Triton am I, dear friend, and nurse of your children, no maiden. Triton and Libya are my parents, but restore me to the daughters of Nereus to dwell in the sea near Anaphi. I shall return again to the light of the sun to prepare a home for your descendants. Of this he stored in his heart a memory, and declared it to Aeson's son, and Jason pondered a prophecy of the far darter, and lifted up his voice and said, my friend, great and glorious renown has fallen to your lot, for of this clod, when you have cast it into the sea, the gods will make an island, 
where your children's children shall dwell. For Triton gave this to you as a stranger's gift from the Libyan mainland. None other of the immortals it was than he that gave you this when he met you. Thus he spoke, and Euphemus made not vain the answer of Aeson's son, but cheered by the prophecy he cast the clod into the depths. Therefrom rose up an island, Callisti, sacred nurse of the sons of Euphemus, who in former days dwelt in Sintian Lemnos, and from Lemnos were driven forth by the Tyrrhenians, and came to Sparta as suppliants, and when they left Sparta, Theras, the goodly son of Autesion, brought them to the island of Callisti, and from himself he gave it the name Thera. But this befell after the days of Euphemus. And thence they steadily left behind long leagues of sea, and strayed on the beach of Aena, and at once they contended in innocent strife about the fetching of water, who first should draw it and reach the ship, for both their need and the ceaseless breeze urged them on. There even to this day do the youths of the Myrmidons take up on their shoulders full brimming jars, and with swift feet strive for victory in the race. Be gracious, race of blessed chieftains, and may these songs year after year be sweeter to sing among men. For now I have come to the glorious end of your toils, for no adventure befell you as you came home from Aena, and no tempest of winds opposed you. But quietly did you skirt the Cecropian land, and Aulis inside of Euboea, and the Apuntian cities of the Locrians, and gladly did you step forth upon the beach of Pagasai. Oh, nerds. Wow, that ends kind of anticlimactically, right? I mean, gosh, so much happens in that book. I was not expecting quite so much. Forgot about Talos. Talos is super cool. And once again, Medea saves the fucking day. Honestly. What does Jason do in this epic? Let's really look at it. Because the answer is nothing. The man does basically nothing. He's just kind of there ostensibly leading the Argonauts, but like, what does he do to actually lead them? They seem to be pretty confident on their own. Anyway, it's just incredible. The Jason story is utterly wild, which is why. So next week, I will still be on vacation. I am so lucky and fortunate that I can have this like super long vacation that is, I mean, obviously I'm working to a point because this podcast never sleeps, but mostly... Oh my God, some real rest after four years of pretty nonstop podcasting. So I will still be away, which means I'll be re-airing an old episode. And what better of an episode to re-air after reading this whole Argonautica where nobody could do anything without Medea, Jason promises her everything, specifically promises to love her forever and to respect her as his wife and etc, etc, etc. How better to follow up a series of episodes like this than with fucking Medea? So next week, I will re-air one of my most perfect episodes on Medea, the ones that come right after this story, once Jason blows up, once he becomes the literal worst, save for Theseus. But 
coming in a close second right now. Thank you all so much for listening. You are all the absolute best. I couldn't do it without you. I am Liv and I love this shit. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com.